Hi there, this is Greg Legro. And this is Jamie Dew. Of Fully and Completely. Um, You're listening to... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fully and Completely, the podcast where we journey through every album by the tragically hip in chronological order but we're going to go in a couple different directions now because we're having a nice time so we're going to have to get some gourd solo albums in there too we're going to talk about all of the albums we're going to talk about every song on them we're going to talk about canadian culture around the time period of the release what was going on in music and other areas of pop culture to give you an idea of the backdrop that of uh, life at the times of the release of these records because sometimes it's good to have that perspective my name is greg legro i'm looking at jamie do how are you, sir? I'm all right. It's 2001 already. And 2001. It's one year into the new mm-hmm. century. Yeah. My God. Yeah. And it's a what, crazy year, 2001. 2001 was pretty crazy. Well, yeah. I think about it. Holy I mean, shit. It, yeah. The, back, the like, back half of it is insane. Uh, absolutely insane. Obviously, uh, 9-11 goes on. Um, uh, we've, uh, I don't want to dig too, too deep into that, but this is definitely a time of change. Yeah. Um, heightened emotions for sure and ideas but also uh, 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 creatively a very strange time period too this is really the uh, the, the melting pot of of uh, styles and cultures and music it's it's literally everything is happening all at once um, this album comes out on July 3rd of 2001 what a nice weekend for this yeah um I guess on a Tuesday. Was this still when things came out on Tuesdays? New albums? Probably. Um, Gord's first uh, solo record under the name Gordon Downey. Coke Machine Glow is what's going on today. Do you remember? It came out with a book as well. Yeah, right. Like, uh, I think the book had all the lyrics lyrics and and other poetry. Poems. Mm -hmm. Yes. Made it the... I think I read somewhere in my research for this yeah. that it made it the highest selling book by a Canadian mm-hmm. poet. This is correct. Ever. Ever. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Very deserving. Absolutely. Um, and just kind of a neat thing. And it's, uh, we'll get to, to everything with yeah, this sure. album. Yeah. Let's talk about 2001. Let's a bit. talk about 2001. So um, this is an unusual time. Uh, I, I, I think this is this really kind of sets the template for where we are now, where everyone listens to everything. Well, that's the, a good way the, to think of it. The, the wide variety of what's happening in music, like for example, big albums of this year. You've got uh, Amnesiac from Radiohead, yep. which is capitalizing on the critical explosion of Kid A. That's right. A lot of people are like, "Oh, it's Kid A too," but everyone else is like, "Yeah, but fine." <laughs> Yeah. More of that, please. <laughs> okay. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. Did you just change everything again? Great. Um, and then you have Jay-Z's rise to massive prominence with the blueprint. Um, Was that his first like gigantic record? No. Uh, his second fucking crazy big one. Though. Okay. Uh, the, the Hard Lock, Hard Knock Life Volume 1 or whatever was a couple years before this. Gotcha. Okay. But this is like cementing him as like not just like having a big record, but like this guy's for real. Right. Um, but it's a big, big, 
big year for rock and roll as well because we get the beginning of the the the, the bands the strokes and the white stripes both have breakthrough albums the strokes with their debut is this it and the white stripes with white blood cells both were gigantic fucking records that set the tone for years and years to come what was going to go they're on. supposed to save and how to be cool save they were going to save us right right yeah absolutely and they didn't neither one of us did nope. we were like one of these bands because these two albums were so fucking big yeah and everyone was chomping at the bit and it's like one of these two bands is the next nirvana that's a, yeah absolutely like that's what we were looking at we're all we're hoping for yeah but the second strokes album although in hindsight quite good i didn't, think it's, i think it's better but it's a very good album. i like it's it. a very fucking good yeah, album yeah. but it didn't it didn't bust down no, the doors it sure didn't you know and uh, the White Stripes uh, rose to huge heights on on the back of Seven Nation Army, which is about as perfect a single as you could have when you were surrounded by hype. And right. they nailed it. And I mean, in hype or no hype, that song is overplayed, but fucking perfect. Really, yeah, really good. Back off. Yeah. Like that came out and I was like, fuck. Me. Yeah, <laughs> that one I remember the video for. Oh, sure, well, it was psychedelically yeah. wonderful. But this yeah. was the video. The video that caught me for that album for White Blood Cells was uh, "Fell in Love with a Girl," the Lego video, which I was like, "Oh my god, that's just this, such this is the a greatest. good song." It's such a good song. And how cool was it that rock and roll was being in quote saved by a band from New York mm-hmm. and a band from Detroit? Mm-hmm. Like it was like. Mm-hmm. You know, couldn't be better. Back to the sort of uh, was, everything was raw. Everything was denim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was great. A little sweaty. The not hair a lot was of gross. Not a lot of pretense, even though it was sort of weirdly artsy and pretentious. But yeah. But then surrounding all of this, that, I mean, that like the Strokes and White Stripes were like the big story of the year. But then you also got big, big albums: System of a Down, Toxicity. That's a mammoth record. Tool, Lateralis, which is a prog metal fucking right. juggernaut. Yep. Um, uh, and Daft Punk has more Usher has a big fucking record um, Missy Elliott has a big record so there's a lot of stuff the gorillas burst into existence and there's a lot of mashup or, or mashup of styles not on one record but just with everything going on nothing, there's no clear scene everyone's kind of listening to everything at this point because I knew people who were into the Strokes and Jay-Z and the gorillas, you know, like it wasn't like you were in a camp anymore. You were kind of, if you were right. listening to music, you're listening to all of it. Andrew W.K. blows up this year. Right. <laughs> Good for him. Just terrific in his own way. I am a, you I wanted him to really I, blow up. I'm not, not, I never listened to the records, really, but I'm glad that guy's around. <laughs> he seems delightful. He likes to jump up and down and fight. Yeah. <laughs> he wants something. And Slipknot's Iowa album is a big hit this year, too. So that's a different. And Silver Side Up Nickelback. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a big record. Well, one of the <laughs> one of the biggest played records of all time. Of all time, which yeah. is so fucking confusing. Um, so, yeah. and but uh, the, So that's the musical tone. And what's going on is very complicated stuff. Um, very raw. Uh, stuff. A lot of it is just mm, there's a lot of swagger and persona happening in music. You know, you have the experimentation and you know outsider coming to the the, the forefront with Radiohead, and you know then you have the the, the raw potential and just human. Uh, angst of the strokes and white stripes and you can, everyone can relate to that and the, the, the technical uh, uh, complex nature of things like uh, System of a Down and some other heavier acts and the, the hip hop is getting to a refined point and we're all 
uh, now understanding that it's not going anywhere. It is, in fact, going to be the biggest form of music in the world shortly. So there's a lot happening, but it's all very kinetic in its own way. Um, and more on that when we talk about the tone of this record, which is uh, more successful, I think, than people were prepared for. Also going on 2001, I'm going to pull up my little uh, gallery of things to examine well, from our the, year. The beginning of the year started with the election kerfuffle in America. I know right. that's not the Canadian angle, but there was a lot of confusion around that as well, right? Yeah. Like, what's going to happen to the future? Yes. You know? Yes. Bush versus Gore. Yeah. And uh, that got settled up pretty quickly. It did. Um, and the recounts, Florida and all that. Yeah, hanging was, chads. Yeah, yeah, hanging chads. My God. Wasn't there a band called that? There must be <laughs> somewhere. Uh, all right. So a couple things our usual stuff that we like to talk about. Not really the most exciting one, uh, but the, uh, the Grey Cup held on uh, November 25th of 2001. Uh, the CFL championship. That's the, right. Uh, football teams. So it would be the, what? The 87th? Uh, 85th or something, I think. Oh, uh, I don't okay. have that in front of me, but uh, anyway, but up there, yeah. Um, Calgary Stampeders versus the Winnipeg uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Two uh, Western teams. That's right, and it was an upset win. The, the Stampeders beat the Blue Bombers 27-19. Oh Huge upset because on the season, the Blue Bombers were 14-4, and four, and the Stampeders were 8-10. and 10. Jesus A Christ. A losing season. And they're in the Grey Cup. Yeah, That's what you get with an eight-team league. And uh, well, that's also what you get, yeah, with an eight-team league. And uh, this was the uh, second consecutive team with a losing record to win the Grey Cup. Wow. The previous year as well. Huh. Yeah. And uh, and that's, that's what happens when you have so few teams. And you look at the standings in the Grey Cup every year, and sometimes there's one division where uh, the, the, we just make it those teams because yeah. the other division is shit in the bed. That's right. No one has a winning record. Well, how do they do? I mean, there's six fucking teams that make the playoffs, and yeah. there's only eight in the league. Wait, there's, there's fucking eight teams. Why 1.7? There are eight teams in the league, and they play 18 games. <laughs> yeah, Holy <true>. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not even math that makes that work. It's just a... Uh, man, there's a way to make it work. I'm sure we'll figure it out someday. <laughs> Um, and then uh, for the Stanley Cup uh, in 2001, the uh, Colorado Avalanche defeated the uh, New Jersey Devils Wow! to win a Stanley Cup. I didn't have a lot of emotional stake in whatsoever. No, I'm trying to think of something. I mean, the only kind of cool little story you could take from that is that the New Jersey Devils mm -hmm. were formerly known as... Yes. The Colorado Rockies. Oh, interesting. I and didn't know that. They left Colorado in the 80s. Don Cherry was their coach. Oh. They left and went to the Meadowlands and became the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. Only to be defeated by. Years later. Colorado. That's right. Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, 2001. I mean, we're into it. It's the new century, man. Uh, we're still in a Chrétien. Uh, Prime Minister uh, Hood country, you know, uh, yeah, Prime Minister Hood. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was known as the uh, Prime Minister of the Hood. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a lot. So much has changed. If I I remember 2001, and it couldn't feel more distant. Uh, it feels longer than the ten years. What it were is you doing in 2001? 2001. I where was, were you? Where was I? I was working in this disgusting bar. 
Um, <laughs> if you if 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 our listeners live in Toronto and maybe drank underage, they'll know what gross bar I worked at. I worked at Bistro Four Twenty Two. It's across the street from Sneaky D's downstairs. It's like a lower bar. It's small. It's gross. It's super punk rock. And it was easy to drink their underage at the time. Really? Yeah. I drank their underage when I was a teenager as well. And it was just like a little crazy, you know, you get $6 pitchers of mixed drinks and stuff like that. All kinds of crazy shit. And anyway, $6 I was drinking pitchers there. of mixed drinks? Yes. Holy Christ. A mini pitcher, but still it's a pitcher. And That's... I, Made the mistake of having, I'll have a pitcher of Long Island iced tea. (laughs) (laughs) I'd also like a horrifying headache tomorrow and the ability to do nothing. Um, I want to wake up somewhere I didn't go to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And the music uh, for the uh, bar was completely played on cassette. Um, and a tape deck that was you know kind of wired into another stereo system, and the other two guys who worked there didn't really care anymore what was played, so they let me play everything, which was great. So wow, I got to you know at least plug in the music and you know bartend in this little fucking that's punk rock great. underage shithole, which was pretty good. Yeah, that's where I was in two thousand one, working there, not knowing what the hell I was going to do with myself. What about you? Where were you in two thousand one? Two thousand one, I. God, where was I? I think that was my first year not in school. Yeah, the whole group of us would hang out at the Brass Taps. Mm-hmm. So we spent a lot of time at the Brass Taps, put a lot of Tragically Up on the jukebox for sure. Nice. And uh, just a lot of hanging out at the Brass Taps. A lot of, a lot of. I don't know where the, the money came from. Because I wasn't, brand, yeah. Brass Taps? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't making a tremendous amount of money. No, nor was I. But it seems like. Every meal I ate out, and mm-hmm. and well, that's what you did, you know. And you I drank a lot of beer, money, you know. Yeah. You probably lived somewhere where you didn't have to pay a lot of rent. Yeah, it was probably roommates, four or five hundred bucks a month or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you're I, right. I just moved in with um, uh, uh, my my friend Gavin Fox. Uh, we friend of the show, friend of the show. Yeah, that's right, and friend of uh, other shows. Uh, it was a godfather uh, to my daughter, and uh, we lived in an apartment together on the Danforth for like six years, but this is right around when we first moved in together, and it was a, you know, it's kind of a funky time. I was not happy in 2001. It was like a bummer, no, me neither. bummer time, you know? No, I think about it, and yeah, I wasn't... It's like 20s, your early to mid-20s fucking blues, man. It's yeah. Like, you don't know what's going on with yourself. You don't know what you want to do. You're probably not, you know, maybe you haven't met the lady yet or the... the, the the fella yet that you're going to help you round yourself out, but yeah, I was I was a uh, yeah. Well, for me, angsty, the, unhappy man. Angsty, yes, because yeah. the idea of like the university sort of haze had worn away, yep. and the college haze had worn away, and it was like I was in real life, and it was like real life was not making a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. and as much as I was enjoying myself, I, I wasn't fulfilled. No, you know? oh yeah. Such yeah. a such an emptiness. Yeah. Yeah, in the twenties. And I was listening to pretty this is where I mean I get deep I uh, a deep path into punk and metal happens here. I'm still listening not that I listen to only abrasive stuff. I mean I was still a madly obsessed with the Pixies and um a variety of things, but you know, I was uh, you know, a minor threat and uh, you know, the the misfits were a massive uh, component of wow. my daily life. Yeah, know, okay. 
and I was I had gotten further and further into Slayer and uh, you know metal. I, I just, you were not fucking around. No, I, yeah. I liked it heavy. I liked it mad, and because that's where I was. And I knew this album was coming out, uh, Coke, Coke Machine Glow, and uh, and I just you know like oh Gord's making a solo record, interesting. You know, it didn't come at a time where you'd think like well maybe the, you know. Uh, the band maybe is going to shit or something like that because music at work was a was a, a successful album. You know? It was, but like we mentioned, wasn't necessarily my favorite record. And you know, it was, at, and at it, was it certainly wasn't another Phantom Power as no. far as charts and accolades go. You know, and they're not like out of favor with anyone at this point. So it it, it doesn't feel like a. For me, I remember thinking there's a brand new Gord because it was yeah. like seeing them on tour. For Phantom Power, it was all of a sudden he was he was in shackles because he had decided to pick up the guitar. Mm-hmm. And everything that we loved about him live was now muted because right. he was playing guitar. But it was so strange because you would watch him play. And, and now he says, or I mean, prior to his death, he, he, he said... I just wanted to be part of the music. Mm-hmm. And if you watched me play, you would see me just add flourishes and spots. But he wasn't yeah. playing chords. You, yeah. you could see him. He wasn't playing chords. He wasn't playing a rhythm. Yeah, He was just strumming at sort of um, strange places. And like for me, the opportunity cost was like a, a, a miss because... I didn't get to see flailing gourd, yeah. awesome gourd. Yeah. And it wasn't like his musicality was bringing a whole lot more to the table. So when I heard that this was coming out, yeah. that now he was going to the next step and like recording a record. Yeah. I, I was a little bit concerned. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I was really like just curious about it. Cause I'm like, what's he going to do? Um, and actually, you know, I was going to bring something up during the, uh, live between us uh, session and I forgot and actually it's probably good that I did because I think it applies more to talking about this and now um, I uh, I read a little interview with um, a couple of the boys from the hip just recently um, they kind of spoke out a little bit um, you know they've been kind of quiet since uh, Gord's passing but they were just talking a bit about him and the experience and whatever and um, one thing they mentioned I thought was really fascinating was uh, they were like, that thing that he did on stage um, and the persona it came from insecurity. And Bonkers when I heard that. Yeah. And, you know, like it was a way to just, to because to, doing, I loved it. Uh, I'm not actually sure. It was in a, a mash of the little like snaps of quotes from people. So I don't know which one of them said this, but they were, you know, it, it, it standing up and speaking in front of thousands of people is an unnatural thing, you know, to be good at it is bizarre. So, you know, he had his way of coping with that. And they said that every tour, just before the tour, guard would say, I'm not bringing out the dancing bear. I'm going to just sing. Really? The songs. I'm just going to sing the songs. I'm just going to stand there and sing the songs. I'm not going to do the, the fucking dancing bear. But then, you know, the rush and the thrill and the fear would hit him, and and that's where all of that comes from—that that that explosive, enigmatic, unusual, and perfectly unique 
frontman came out of insecurity and wanting to and not knowing how to deal with the energy. How and perfectly his, Canadian is that? I, isn't it wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. And I think and, and I think that's a great way to you know understand him a bit uh, and to then you know get into a record like this. Um, the backing band kind of super group of you know not superly famous Canadian musicians and they make really weird records I've listened to a couple of the Dinner is Ruined uh, albums and they're super bizarre weird bluesy-ish avant-garde strangeness it's great it's interesting um, and and, and uh, less accessible than you would imagine <laughs> <laughs> but what a great name for a band the Dinner, Dinner is Ruined, ruined yeah Pretty pretty amazing. So uh, Dave Clark is the uh, I think the biggest name to talk about in Canadian music anyway. Uh, the drummer for the Rheostatics, who we're all richer for seeing tonight. <laughs> um, uh, Jose Contreras, who's in By Divine Right. That's right. They're the ones who opened at Band of Power that I couldn't the, uh, the no. Band of Power tour that I couldn't I think see, of the I name see. of the band By Divine Right. Yeah. They sing a song called Come for a Ride. Right. Um, Julie Doran uh, from Eric's Trip is. I think the biggest thing to have mentioned with this record. Uh, Eric Strip, uh, I think, are super underrated. Just an amazing fucking Canadian band. And I think the only... I think I read somewhere that the only Canadian... Like, one thing that people had a little bit of comment about with uh, Trouble at the Hen House is it didn't have a lot of Canadian references, but right. it did have an Eric Strip reference. So, um, obviously, he's a fan and interested uh, in working with her and bringing her to the forefront. So... Uh, oh, God, that's great you have this here. I was wondering, was uh, the trumpet on this album, I was like, is that Andy Mays from Sky Diggers? Oh. Because he yeah. has such a specific trumpet Really? Style. Okay. Um, and it's hard to pull up sometimes with Wikipedia because we're in fucking Canada, uh, and our stuff doesn't get as quite as much detailed uh, uh, looks on Wikipedia. He has. I, I love uh, the Sky Diggers, and I really love their album uh, Road Radio, which has um, some great trumpet work on it. And he has a very specific tone. Like he's got a, a, a cadence to his trumpet playing that breaks my heart. And I, I wonder if that's what Gord's talking about in Emperor Penguin. Uh, maybe I like the tonier trumpet. Yeah, it has to be because I swear he. Uh, I, I'm certain he plays trumpet on We Are the Same. Uh, with the hip later down the line, I think I, I feel like he goes to him, like, please play some wonderful trumpet for me. Anyway, so we have lots of cool people working on this, lots of awesome people involved, and in an, a time period where we have people making genre bending or testing their audiences with expansion ideas and uh, or going way down to roots rock and filthiness with the strokes you know and they, they digs into new york rock and roll and the stooges and the velvet underground um and very specifically the drum beat from uh, uh, american girl by tom petty um <laughs> listen uh, listen to last night and then listen to uh, american girl by tom petty and it's like Pretty great. Nice little tribute to it. I don't know nothing against the strokes. I lost my fucking mind over that album, so and I still love it dearly. But definitely uh some Tom Petty fans in that group. Um and then so this Gord album drops and it is a country tinged singer songwriter laid back, mellow, emotional masterpiece. I think that's fair. 
Is that fair? Does yeah. That work? Is that, I, I wish I had more adjectives, honestly. I didn't expect to get to that sentence when I no, got I to think it. That's there really, we are. I think that's really fair. And I think that it's, I don't know that when it came out, I don't know that when it came out, uh, there were a lot of people calling it a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. But I think with the time, yeah, um, the time that has passed, you listen to this, and this is essential. It you is know, if absolutely we, essential. If we were going to do this podcast and not include this record, I don't feel like our podcast would be no. complete. Should we Should we get into track by track? I think we just get into track by track, because I imagine some I won't talk long about, because uh, this is, in some ways, the most, uh, for some of the songs the most straightforward songwriting he's done. Um, where I think a lot of the songs where he was really challenging himself as a lyricist because that was his greatest tool in the band where uh, he is primarily only contributing vocals. I don't mean only right. in any kind of yep. negative sense. Um, so I think when he, the, the, when that's your position to focus on that, to focus on writing and melody as a vocalist, you can really, really work in that, and that becomes the work. And most hip songs are not about one thing. They're about many things. Right. Um, which is some of the great accessibility and mystery about them. You get the notebook. Like yeah. Him using his notebook yeah. um, for snippets and, yeah. and bits and pieces, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of things going on yep. in one song. Whereas this is, he's constructing the songs the tone the melody and so it maybe freed him up as a lyricist not freed him up but in like that he was bogged down but sometimes you just want to write you, you come up with your tone and your melody and it's just like there's here's a song that's just about this thing and i'm going to talk about this one thing you know and they're fairly clear metaphors and there isn't a lot of wondering what it's about this album does have a lot of what's going on here for me but not every song so anyway, um, for for me, I got to say off the top yeah. that I don't know how he wrote his songs or what the songwriting mm, style was mm-hmm. like, but to me, there is a lot of, I've got a complete poem, I've got a complete thought, and I'm yeah. going to put music to it, Yeah, which is oftentimes for, for people that aren't very talented, really difficult to do. Yeah. And this is where, remember when we were talking about courage in episode three, mm-hmm. and we talk about him taking that Hugh McLennan passage yeah. and turning it into a bridge, and it's just wonderful. Yeah, This whole record is that. This whole record is like, there's not couplets. There's not, you know, verse, chorus, verse. No. There's, this is an artsy it's fucking album. It's really fucking artsy. And, yeah. you know, like, he uses the word anesthesiologist on this <laughs> record. And, and it, he's not worried about trying to find a rhyme for it. Like, yeah. I'm not besmirching Bob Cajun, but, you know, he picked Bob Cajun because it rhymed with Constellation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's sort of become lore at this point. This is, this is, the melodies are right up front. Oh, yeah. It's so melody heavy. Yep. And the music is is there to sort of lift these passages. Yeah. And they're wonderful. And it's a great uh, texture band. This, you know, like, uh, you know, something that was great on Day for Night and how how the guitar work was really a textured thing and uh, an atmospheric thing, really, with a lot of swells. And this band knows how to play like this. And they're also, they play in different rhythms. 
than the hip play-in. So it allows him to um, jump into a couple of different areas that he, we haven't really heard him hit before. No, there's like a there's a song in 3-4 on this, yeah. or maybe, maybe a couple, but there's one that jumps out for me mm. for sure. And it's like, that's not a real tragically hip thing. No, to do, absolutely right? not. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, and it's great. And he's he will then, when returning to the hip after this, is a better... I think so. Uh, front man. Yeah, I think we start to see a lot more of yeah. of this sort of take place. Totally. And uh, this is a great learning and growing experience. So, I get this album. I'll talk about why later in the album. But uh, So, I get this album. I was, I was going to get it, but why I jumped to get it. Um, so, and Star Painters is the first track. Honestly, on my first listen, I'm worried. I'm like, is this going to be a fucking tuneless album of someone talking? Right. <laughs> Which I've heard too many fucking people do where, like, he didn't need to make a solo record. It's not no. like the hip was fucking done and he needed to do something. This is just like, I can do this, so I'm going to. Throwing a record out, you know? Um I didn't want it to be pretentious. No, I didn't want it to be pretentious. And I wanted fucking, I wanted, I wanted some fucking songs on it. Yeah. I want songs. Yeah. I don't want a, like I'd gone down a couple of, when you obsess about a group or an artist and you want their best, but sometimes you have to dig through their thing where they're just getting something out. Like being an obsessive Faith No More and Mike Patton fan, like before there was just like an onslaught of his releases when you wanted something more, when you would you had already gotten everything from Faith and More and Bungle that was available at the time, and so you bought adult themes for voice, and then went, God, this was like $30. <laughs> it was so hard to find. <laughs> there's like not a single song on it. <laughs> like, what a fucking frustrating moment that oh, is, you know? for me as well. So, uh, now that's an extreme, because that's really, really not accessible stuff. <laughs> but I, you know... I'm like, uh, what do we have going on here? I'm like, the poetry is nice. Yeah. But what's going to happen? What is this? What is this? Yeah. Hindsight. Yes. Oh. I think this is the perfect oh, first track. It's so great. Because <laughs> if if you had inverted the first two tracks and opened with Vancouver Divorce, mm-hmm. you would have been like, oh my God, this is a fucking phenomenal song. And right. then you would go into Star Painters and be like, 
Huh? Ah, it would yeah. interrupt it. No, Whereas no. this is like, it's, it's sort thing. of a sign on the wall mm-hmm. that's like, this is, you're going to get some of this. Mm-hmm. This is something I want to do. And I want you to come with me on this ride. Just wait two minutes and you'll get to hear a really yeah. great melody, a oh, really yeah. strong melody and a song. And, but this sets but stay you up. with me. It sets you up for when we do return to spoken word over soundscape. It doesn't feel jarring or weird. That's and you right. Pay attention to it. That's right. No, he's like, Don't it's worry. safe. You, you're going to be fine. That's I'll right. Give you another track after this. Yes. Um, it's like so, getting high with a friend. Yeah. You know. <laughs> totally. And I got this is 2001. I was uh, getting very high a lot of the time. <laughs> I, was, I smoked a lot of weed to this record. Um, so I need to get to it. Uh, and uh, listening, that first listen, I'm like, okay, what is happening? And then Vancouver Divorce drops, which was not a song that I needed any time to grow with or get accustomed to. I was immediately transfixed. And I don't... I, 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 I wish I had a great short list of perfect song opener lyrics um i don't know like you start you go back and like set the bar high it's something like uh, uh i once had a girl or should i say she once had me right okay that's yeah a, that's a hell of a way to open a song you know? that's right that's really like oh okay tell me more tell me more <laughs> uh, you know or uh in a pop sense you know welcome to your life there's no turning back as a Huge way to start a track. Right. Tears for Fears. But uh, what the hell is this? She said it's art, just fucking mirror it. Uh, and the delivery of that. Uh, it's one of my favorite openings to a track ever in my life. I, I adore that so much. I love the lyrics of this song so obsessively. Um, and the melody and the melancholy and the tragic sadness of it.
listen to this song the first time and you cannot escape it. It is no. it is Earworm City. Yes. And I have been humming this melody oh. all week long. Oh my God. I love this song so much. Yeah, I think it's such too. an essential tune in, uh, in, the, in the enormous category of Gord's great works. But this song is just an absolute monster. And you're right. We haven't really heard him sing in this style, for lack no. of a better term. No, no. He's, yeah. he's really like, playing with that falsetto. Yeah. Getting up into higher tones. Uh, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. And this is, and so, uh, you know, I was just talking about uh, <laughs> this being a, you know, uh, more direct lyrics and you can understand what he's talking about. But I mean, I spent <laughs> so much time wondering to myself, what is a Vancouver divorce. Do you know? No. It's, oh, okay. He made it up. Oh, I thought you were going to so, say like, something right now. What does it right mean now? to you? Like, I mean, it, it's something, it means something to me now that I mean, listening to this song over and over and, and all the other stuff that's going on with it and it's, it's, it's so steeped in real difficulties and admiration of your partner as well, you know, in a failure, you know. Yeah, because um, he mentioned we're a Vancouver divorce, yes. and then it's just a Vancouver divorce yes. as well. So there's a couple different. Yeah, and like we, now we've hammered the last spike, you know, and we've punched the rail doors. Anyway, I, there's these, there's a finality to this that is so devastating. Yeah, and the opening line to, to the full stanza is, "What the hell is this?" You said it's art. Just fucking mirror it. Where did we go wrong? If not here, where do we belong? Which is is a relationship conundrum. It's a uh, there's a, a million things you can lay at the foot of that, um, and it's beautifully phrased. It's 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 great language. It's great poetry, um, and it strikes a chord. It just and what a what a thing to say, and which it was such a great thing for an, an artist who has such ambiguous and, and often confusing or mysterious lyrics. You know what the hell is this? It's art. Just fucking mirror it. And take oh, what you see in yourself. What uh, you know? What what you need from it? Take that. That's all you need. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, my my favorite lyric is. Um Later in the song, it's mm-hmm. actually right at the end of the song, pretty much. Oh, me too, buddy. Me too. And the end of the song, uh, that last fucking stanza. And it's just uh, swimming up their dark rivers to discover your source. Mm. Yes, a source of strange and unrequited remorse. And I found the end of the world, of course. But it's not, not the, end. the end of the world, of course. And it's like, hmm. It's just a Vancouver divorce. It's just a Vancouver that, divorce. I, I, rhyming uh, the exact same thing <laughs> is... I, some would say in other songs, lazy. In this song, fucking genius. And I found the end of the world, of course, uh, but it's not the end of the world, of course. Is one of my favorite fucking rhyming couplets ever. Yeah, my <laughs> cheeks are, like, I can feel my cheeks being flushed I just, just discussing this. I just die. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, this fits, I, I would put this on uh, Day for Night. Yep. I would put this on I, Penthouse. Yep. Uh, it fits it fits perfectly with any of the the best tragically hip records for sure, and that's not to say it shouldn't. Um, I, do, I don't want to, you know, again, shit talk this record, but I just want to underscore for anybody who hasn't necessarily listened to this or given this record mm-hmm. the time, give it the time because I am one of those people who is guilty of not giving this record the time right. at the time, right? And boy, oh boy, 
I would love to have that 15 years back. Oh, man, was I into this when it happened. Um, I was all over this record, and I loved the song. I, I, I'll probably talk about the song too much, but I'll, one more thing I think is super important is the expertise of songwriting that's going on here. Um, one of my, this isn't a deep pull by any means, but I, uh, I lose my mind over uh, Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, Bob Dylan. I think it's one of the most perfect songs that's ever been written. I marvel at its genius uh, every time I listen to it. I love the stages the song goes through. Which question he asks of the blue-eyed son. What did you see? What did you hear? And and the next flow of lyrics falls into that. What I saw, what I felt, what I, you know. And I loved that that structure is so fantastic and so uh, expertly handled. And this is not as long as that song by any means, but uh, we are dealing with question and answer. But we're question we're answering questions with questions. So what the hell is this? It says art just fucking mirror it. Uh, where did we go wrong? If not here, where do we belong? So that's the question. And each answer, every line following that is do we so where do we belong? Do we belong in the shot of sun of an airplane far above here? In the glint of a uh, foot burnished manhole cover and light? Like he's offering suggestions. Is it this? Is it oh, this? Man. Is it this? And then we if we break from that and we're sitting in the Hortons because you know this is important. <laughs> and if not here, uh, then where? And if not now, then when? So then we get when. So when a feather's an immovable force, when the stampede's an obstacle course, when ancient tra- ancient train is it an old transient force? That's uh, such, uh, when you have thoughtfulness uh, combined with technical expertise, um, uh, there's not much you can do to fail. Oh, God. And this, yeah, it really is. And good Lord. Uh, what, what a wonderful way to roll through that. It's uh, as good as anybody could do this song just uh, floors me and it almost kept me from listening to the next song for ages because i just wanted to you be just there go back, back in this back. track over and over and i frequently when putting this album on this song would finish and i would hit skip on my disc man <laughs> and one more time because i'm yeah. not ready for this to be over no it's much like someone perhaps going through a Vancouver divorce and whatever the relationship is, not ready for that to be over. <laughs> Me either. And what is that, a Vancouver divorce? I mean, Vancouver is this sort of like, if you've not been there or lived there, it has kind of like a mystical vibe to it. It has its own energy that feels like a little bit unique to Canada. Its weather is different. It's uh, There's a, a sense of affluence and maybe achievement there it's a, it's an expensive city to live in so there's this like almost like a, an illusion of uh, of, uh, of of settlement or maybe happiness that that looms over it but it's a you know obscured by its clouds and the difficulties that come with containing that kind of stature i don't know so when some, I, when i think of a vancouver divorce i think of people who are cannot succeed as a relationship despite having all the tools for to, to not worry. I'm trying to look up a Does definition that, to see if there makes are any, any kind other of sense, but that's the only thing I could think of. Like, you know, you, when you view someone who's in a perfect place with maybe perfect opportunities around them, like if you didn't have to worry about money, if you didn't have to worry about environment, 
but the relationship still fails, you know. And when there aren't those things to to worry about, where it just you can't fix it, can't fix it's it. not an outside thing in the way. It's not a money thing. It's not a uh, it's not the winters, you know. It's it's just, it just doesn't work, and that's terribly sad. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know. I'm probably wrong. <laughs> No, I, no you, you've put a lot of thought into this. You've listened to this a lot. Having a great deal of difficulty right now with the lid to this uh, tequila bottle. Yeah, yeah, I need to get into there. It's a very nice bottle, though. What a wonderful hue of blue. Um, so, yeah, I, I do ask of the listeners, please tell me, uh, if you can, what is a Vancouver divorce? Either in fact or to you. Because I don't think there is a fact. Yeah, it's, got, not, it's not a term. This isn't no, like a phrase. No, this before. isn't. Oh, that's old Vancouver divorce, don't you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So much to, to drink in. This is a enormous song to have this early on on any record. Ballsy, in fact. And this would be track two, I would say. Which takes us to... SF song. SF song. Another really melody first yep. track. Like the music is is there, and and I don't want to take away any of the musicianship because this band is great, mm-hmm. and you know Gord has written all these songs; they're wonderful. Mm-hmm. But these are so melody first. Like oh, it's yeah. just great, leaning over the edge. Yeah. Well, they're there. He wrote these songs on acoustic guitar. And brought them to this group, and they're there not to get in the way. They're there to add Layers environment and, and, yeah. and texture, uh, and they do it. And they do it in spades, like perfect. they really do. Um, so this, I would say, is is definitely um, to me less a song than a poem, mm-hmm. but it becomes a wonderful song. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, there's all these little like fun little hook things that stick with you—the click, click, clicking of fingernail clippers. Like that has wonderful little cadence and playfulness. Yeah, and that's, I, I think that's the, the the when I think of this song, the first thing that jumps into my head. You know, is that's how I, I you know identify this tune. Uh, but then there's this weird, um, you know, woozy, boozy uh, melody that's that slithers out of it as the song progresses. And then, but pulled back into some sort of like, I don't know, there's a, a back and forth of 
uh, menace and jovialness. You know, is jovialness a word? <laughs> Jovi- yeah, sure. Sure. If it's not, you just fucking coined it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I just this is this is like a just very observational. Yeah. Like a lot of really cool kind of like it really does feel like him waking up in a hotel. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, in God, San Francisco yes. or where, whatever yeah. city it is, and just describing all the different things he sees, and it culminates with that <laughs> wonderful, with that wonderful, wonderful. Uh, we can talk about the middle of middle of this more, but the end <laughs> is just so wonderful when it's um, when it says, uh, and just then there's a bus with a Marlboro ad on the mm-hmm. back that says, "Bob, I miss my lung." <laughs> Except it says. I miss my lung, Bob. It's because I paraphrase so much. But I think it was, I miss my lung, Bob. You know, I think it was. I think it I was. It's it like, was. you son of a bitch. Yeah. How do you... How do you make that fucking work? How do you make that work? And how do you make it compelling? Yeah. And, and and how do you make me feel like nostalgic and melancholy through that? You know? Yeah. But, but it's so... Uh, Honest and agreeable, and because he loops you in for me, like I when you you know, with, uh, uh, <laughs> it's so good. Shooting away with a gun, uh, shooting away a gun with a sign that says, "I'm saving up for a harmonica someday," and yeah, man, I'm in the a mess of my early to mid twenties, not knowing a fucking thing about what I want or what could possibly make me happy, but the the notion of Saving up for a harmonica, that means something to me at that time. Like, it's something. It's any goal. And uh, I know that doesn't really (laughs) stay true with the whole line. Uh, But there are these little snippets of something that are so relatable um, that I'm so on board for listening to him wondering if it was, Bob, I miss my lung, or I miss my lung, Bob. And that's the, the fog you're in, you know? That's the day is night and you know you're on a bus and the coke machine glow i mean obviously we know what all that is from being in a motel have you ever driven anywhere over a couple of days and the the the, the glow of the machine or sitting in any hotel room you see it off the wall creeping through your window and this this is a you know a, a vagabond album and this is the, a vagabond song on it uh, i don't know lost displaced it's all there and yeah i would like to save up for a harmonica someday because then you know at least i'll have that harmonica (laughs) (laughs) something like that um but yeah this is uh this song needs to be great following vancouver divorce Uh, and it's lyrically a completely different thing yeah but But it holds up but it it holds its end of the bar but yeah i'm like okay i'm in yeah okay yeah gotcha but but can he but can he give us three in a row Oh, and that's then we hard. To, then Three? we go to track four, which is Trick Rider. Song. 
make your friend While you're still young Before you can't see Finest things he's ever written. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, recently, did I send it to you? Uh, I think I sent it to you. I saw. Yeah. I saw. Uh, well, I did just watch it, so perhaps so. Yeah, I saw Paul Langlois do a version of this, and he tells a really wonderful story mm-hmm. um, about this being. He thinks it's one of Gord's um, best things that he's ever written, mm-hmm. and uh, he does a hell of a version. It's beautiful, but. The source material that he's working from is top shelf. Yeah. It's top shelf. And this is where we get uh, Dorian. Um, what's her first name? Julie. Julie Dorian singing wonderful backup vocals. Yeah. Oh, their, their voices are wonderful together. Yeah. Like, like almost great. like him and Paul Langlois. Like, I mean, yeah. she's almost oh, the, doing like a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it's a, quite beautiful. It's a resting this tune. Um, this is a very... You used the word nostalgic in the in the last song, but this song to me feels very nostalgic. Oh my god! Um, oh, this is looking back. This is assessing things. Yeah. Is, and again, we haven't heard him sing in this tone before. In this song, he is a he's a he he may as well be wearing a cowboy hat, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Wrangler jeans, Riding and the range, and uh, in a, a plaid shirt falsetto. somewhere. Sitting in this bar playing this song, and you're just who is this person, and where can I get more of him? Yeah, please. Um, there are a couple lines in this song that really stand out to me and really landed hard with me in a variety of ways. Um, I don't know if there's this is just wonderful writing, or it's just at his best here. Uh, I'll be your friend, your last refuge. When things get weird and weird breaks huge, I'll stroke your hair, I'll dry your cheeks. When failures come and no one speaks, that is absolutely astounding. What a beautiful thing to write. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm truly, truly moved right now mm-hmm. just listening to this. Just fucking delightful. Uh, beautiful slide guitar accents on here that are yeah uh, they're almost like god they're almost like tongue-in-cheek in a way when they land up it's so <laughs> yeah he's like no do the thing it's like i swear somebody was like nah, can we can we do one of those like a lap steel like a someone's like yeah sure let's let's put one in it'd be nice it's it, it's like i don't know there's a this these are heavy lyrics and sung beautifully but there's this comfort a uh, a nod of Lightness that I think is necessary for a, a, a song that has lyrics that are this uh, uh, this deeply emotional, but it takes you in a point of being like uh, maybe a little almost exhausted 
emotionally rolling through this. Yeah, this I, I think so. I get, I'm done this song, <laughs> and I, I want to take a bit of a break, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. Not right now, but I no, mean when but I'm listening it, to this song. Like, I feel like I need to go back to whoa, Vancouver Divorce. Did, and, then, and then what happens is uh, Canada Geese. And this is jarring. This is, this is a, a little bit different it's than we've heard. Extremely different, but necessary and great and raw and messy and sloppy and punk and honest. That he's I'm like fucking a Gordy, get it in there. And it just it <laughs> shouldn't fit here. Totally necessary here. Absolutely fits. And there's this just ramshackle, muddy sludgy chunky little rhythm thing going on yeah and it and it is a rough around the edges tune but the vocal melody this is a fucking melody first record is so outstanding it's so outstanding and it becomes pretty he puts a pretty vocal on his dirty song and that's a good way to think thank of it. yeah goodness he did i love it Oh it's man, agreed. I love this song. We I leave love, in small V's. Oh, I love this song. And we meet up again in the real world, like middle-aged men smoke dope, talk just to their cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck me! <laughs> so cool, so cool. Yeah, is this the first like cool song on the record? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, right. Yeah, because it is cool, and it's but it's full of thought and insight. I think I, I don't know if you need to say anything else other than reading that line out. Middle-aged men have smoked up and talked just to their cars. Oh, boy. Okay, so then we move forward yeah. and we get, to me, the fourth. Yes. You know, another really fucking strong song. Yeah. In Chancellor.
I immediately first listen, I just was like, what's he up to? What is he <laughs> up to? Because I love when you whisper like that. It's amazing. <laughs> I love this song so much. This is such a beautiful and perfect and just broke my heart love song. This is a ode to love. You just can't beat it. Um, and so the the whole thing that we're working around with this song is that, you know, I could have made Chancellor without you on my mind. I I think anyone can understand implicitly that sort of the, the heights, if the heights that could have been reached, if not for my heart and mind being completely focused on this person because of the the enormousness of your thought and feeling for that person. It's not a negative, oh, I could have done this without you. It's like the, 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 the hugeness of my feeling for you. If that was applied to something else in my life, the kind of thing where somebody says that to you, you just lie down in the dirt and just, okay. Oh, my God. Because that's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Yeah. It's, no, that is a, to me the most, like, it's the second most beautiful thing that anybody could ever say about somebody else. Um, that comes from this man, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the one that I like the best later on yes. in another oh, episode. Yeah. I know, yeah. okay. but to me, that is like I could have made Chancellor without you on my mind. Like, yeah. good God, oh, it's yeah. um, what is the lyric that you quoted from the last record? It's uh, uh, or maybe two records ago. It's um, oh shit, how does anything get done? Oh, it's, fireworks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, isn't it amazing that anything's accomplished? Isn't it amazing this, anything's this, accomplished? This, 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 this is like the... This is the progression of that thought. That's right, right? And, you know, a, uh, you know an, an even more experienced songwriter at this point, how to express that. Yes, exactly. I could have made Chancellor without you on my mind. Oh, yeah, oh my God. Oh, my God. Um, and I, I think we'll talk a lot about his lyrics here and there, but if there was one I would focus on for the masterwork of uh, rhyming and structure and thoughtfulness and imagery um, is, uh, well, I guess I have to read a little more longer because the first line starts, I'll read more than I had intended to. That's but okay. Then in the guise the whole of cool air, song. in the softer hours, he's there sitting, talking in the voice of your mother about leaving one good party for another and in the night of a thousand missteps, and the loss that made him dogged, or it could have been the doggedness that caused the loss in the first place. I guess. Ugh. What? What a what a massive amount of thoughts. <laughs> yeah, what, a massive amount. But I, I I I'm so in love with just the rolling nature of the language of uh, and the loss that made him dogged, or it could have been the doggedness that caused the loss in the first place, I guess. What a wonderful bit of fucking English language going on there. Um, it's it's playful, it rolls, and so read it out loud to yourself. Take Pause this podcast, look that thing up, and just say it out loud. It's amazing coming off the tongue. It's uh, uh, exponential uh, poetry. It's it, It's bigger than just words. It's so good. It's it's the cadence. It's the f- the the variety of, of 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 consonants. It's really something. I just don't even feel this is like such a ridiculous statement to make, but I don't even feel worthy to be discussing this song. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, I would listen to this over and over. Yeah. Oh, I would be so sad. I hadn't. Yeah. Uh, 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 
met my wife yet, so I was in a just in a there was no human in my life that could fit, could fit the the emptiness that this song created for me. Of just like, oh my God, do I ever want to be this in love? Wouldn't that be wonderful? So we're six tracks into this record, and it's what is it, fourteen tracks or sixteen yeah. tracks? It's a, it's a long record. Yeah, and I'm just devastated over and over by it already. Absolutely, he's. <laughs> we've never heard him sing nope. with this kind of melancholy nope. or longing in his voice. Mm-hmm. You know, even though he's sung some beautiful, beautiful songs oh, for the yeah. tragically hip. Long time running. Head by a century. But we've never heard him Bob sing Cajun. with this. No, it's different. It's different. It's and just, it's, it's clean. Maybe it's the it's Willie Nelson. clean and, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's borrowing something that's just wonderful. Yeah, but unique entirely to yeah. himself. Well, we have to go away from this song. Yeah. Well, uh, I could stay with it for longer. Oh, but, my God. But uh, we're going to move into the never-ending present. Yes. by my handwriting on the notes here <laughs> I fucking I have to remind myself dude I yeah. have to remind myself sometimes but I loved this I, like I love this song yeah and um, the album is just not slowing down on no. its uh, beautiful emotional perfection and that's what this is a very emotional record extremely emotional um, and yeah uh, melody again hooks the hooks are strong this thing that you wondered when Star Painters dropped in, like, is this going to be a weird album? <laughs> no, not at all. It's going to be it's very raw, heavy, really, very emotional. Like, you're going to really want to sit. You know what the two best places to listen to this album are? Uh, in some kind of, like, chair uh, when you're surrounded by uh, some outdoors trees, maybe a lake. Well, okay, good. Perfect, yeah. yeah <laughs> Just yeah. the way you started that. Yeah, some yeah. kind of chair. Some kind of, are you familiar with chairs? Yes. Uh, and then the second, and maybe actually best, is uh, this album is uh, for full emotional impact. Please uh, listen to this album whilst on headphones whilst looking out the window of a moving train. And oh, wow. Not to cry. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is a wonderful... I was going to say in a bathtub, so I don't oh, notice. Bathtub's nice, too. Yeah. You, ever, you ever had a bath? Where Those aren't the only two places. Where you leave the shower on? So yes. you're in the bathtub and it's a bath, but the shower's still on and yeah. you're just weeping. Yeah. <laughs> and you do it so that 
there's a mix of water and yeah. tears, and you don't yes. know what's what. And yeah, there's yeah. just so there's many steam tears. there too. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never done that. No, 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 never. But I might listen to uh, Chancellor there. But you should buy a train ticket just for the hell. You know, I've went to uh, Halifax on the train, and oh, it's a long, it's a long train ride. It is, and uh, yeah, I might have to do that again just to listen to this. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's some really great um, vocal work in this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Drake does the backup vocals mm-hmm. uh, for the song. Stephen Drake of the Odds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Drake also, Mine Canadian also produced this record. Oh, oh, I yes, I think with, uh, a couple of hands yeah. in the production. Uh, pop there, but uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, a fine job. Odds are pop song crafters, like yeah. they're really good at what they do. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I love the backup vocals in this song and the harmonies with with Gord. I mean, Paul Langlois works so well with him doing that sort of Paul Langlois thing. Mm-hmm. But to hear somebody like harmonizing with Gord yeah. is like really truly wonderful. Yeah. And there's a couple lyrics. I, I mean, I even underline them. Like, mm-hmm. it barely makes an impression. Oh. It's just a really great when it gets to makes an impression. Just mm-hmm. a really strong, strong harmony. Yeah. And um, in the never ending present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I enjoyed this track uh, immensely, yeah. and encourage you to listen to it. Um. Yeah, and what a great notion that is too. That yeah, the never-ending present. There, there's such a thoughtfulness to this record. Well, there, uh, yeah. I mean, you, if, you, if you look at it in today's context, everybody is talking about thoughtfulness and mi- mindfulness, mm-hmm. and living in the present, being being in that moment, and that concept of um, you know just being there. <sighs> Nothing but a little expression from the never-ending present. Just me doing my impression. Of the never-ending present. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah. Man. So from there we go to um, another spoken word track. Yeah. Second spoken Almost word to break track. it up.
here's the thing that I find fascinating about this song, and right, particularly to listen to now. I would not have thought this on my first listens or whatever, but as time has gone by, maybe a little bit then, but I, there's, and now this is true of all of the spoken word songs. So I'll mention it for this part, then I'll leave it alone. Um, but all the spoken stuff on this album really strikes a Tom Waits vibe with me. Oh, interesting. Uh, for you know those, what's he building in there? The ocean doesn't want me today. Frank's wild ears. These little weird diversions. Okay, Not songs talking about ideas. They're little stories or little strange oddities, and. The only other songwriter that does weird stories like Gore does is Tom Waits. I, I don't think that's by accident. I'm sure there's Gord's been, you know, down a couple of Tom Waits roads in his time. Uh, so uh, there's this, and this one in particular strikes me with this kind of Tom Waits uh, off kilter walk, and the, the music is unusual in the backing but there's this other thing too where he is now someone's going to tell me i'm crazy here but listen to the song the next time you listen to it he is these are this all rhymes this isn't stream of consciousness this is all rhymes he is in many ways rapping here whoa wow yes okay and the tone of where everything ends up on a question when uh, the next statement is also another question, everything stays on the up and the up and the up. This sounds like to me a weird Tom Waits Eminem baby. Holy fuck! Let's do it again. And his okay. tone, the the scratchy tone, the, the the production choice of it sounding like it's coming through a fucking two way radio. Yeah, you know, hi kids, do you like Primus? You want to see me? In the- <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. My eyelids. It's. It's a reach. I know it's a reach, but it's there. Listen to it, and you'll never be able to unhear it. I promise you. I don't think he was trying to do Eminem, but I would just like... Yeah, when you're oh, this much of an artist and you're tapped into the pulse of what's going on, things are going to bleed together. And this is a Tom Waits Eminem baby. It's not just the tequila talking. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> He's not... I Never in my life would I ever say that uh, Gord was trying to channel Eminem, but I think it's just an unusual thing that's a great, happy accident. Oh, man. I've only, wow, that's I, I fucked up. I only feel that now when I go back to it now. I'm like, you know what this sounds like? I mean, I think this, maybe this sounds like this. You've smoked all the pot in Rosedale. I did smoke some fucking... <laughs> anyway, Rosedale, bud. Someone's going to know what I'm talking about. Someone's going to put it on and go, oh, no. Hey, I'm not, I'm not dismissing it completely know. out of hand here. But you but, can't. Uh, <laughs> but that is... That is uh, I know wow. it's a weird thing to bring up and but anyway you did not bring that up in the uh pre-pro meeting <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> you're like you just wait to knock yeah. your socks off with this one yeah yeah it's not even a it's not even a a, a great revelation fantastic uh, observation it's just unusual i think it and you know uh, i love the song title <laughs> it's it, it, all of it there's right. a better song title than nothing but heartache in your social life <laughs> it's a very good yeah i love this one credit here uh, there's an asterisk at the end of uh, Nothing But Heartache in Your Social Life, and it's mm-hmm. Dale Morningstar provided echoing screams at the end of the song. Oh, well, that's great, because <laughs> when you listen to this, like, I wonder who that other guy is. Well, they're just yelling at each other. You can hear Gord giggling at the end. It's just like kind of mixed into the crackleness of the track, but he's just like, <laughs> okay, we're being artsy, we're doing a thing, but we also know that it's a little silly, which is just great. 
I need to I need to be I need to be very clear that I'm not shitting on your your idea. No, no, I, I don't want, feel that you are. But it makes I me want to listen to this. Also, right know now. that I, I know it's a little like a silly fucking thing, but I just I can't not hear it. It's there. I hear it. But if there were people losing their minds, people were losing their minds. I'm probably mad at at, a, at us discussing pigeon camera. There are going to be people oh, yeah. whose heads uh, are exploding. I know. I know. I don't. I, yeah, not that pigeon camera is only about. It's I, who knows if it is, <laughs> yeah. but like most of those songs from that time period, and mo- well, a lot of his stuff about many things. Of course, many things. It's one and it's layer art. to it's it. It's subjective you know? and it's yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's yeah. only about that. It's certainly not only about that. Ah, so where are we now? Black flies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you say about this? What uh, um, other than God? I don't even know. I don't know. I like black flies. It's pretty. Um, this, you know, uh, yeah. in, in, in the in the not my favorite. No, not mine either. Nope. But I, lo- I, I would never skip it by any means. I love it. It's a beautiful song. We, and after having this like endless uh, assault of perfectness. Or these uh, like songs that make you either examine your idea of love or your own existing relationships or your relationship to your ideas. Um, this is just like a nice song then. We had a little break with a, a spoken word and then now just like, like a nice song. It's pretty. It's got yeah. a great melody. It's short. It's wonderful. Yeah, we don't have to be the dead. No, here absolutely. We, we listen. You know, not I, I love the use of laminar flow. I mean, I think yeah. that's great. Oh, yeah. Uh, right, that's kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. Listen, it's a great track. No one's besmudging. No, 
but then we go to Lofty Pines. Which I fucking love. Oh, man. Yeah. combination of Paul Langlois and Gord Downey yeah. doing their thing yeah. in a wonderful way yeah. all throughout the song. Yeah. Get your hands on. I'm because excited. this is this is just the way it is to me is perfect. Yeah. I, I don't And this is campfire again. This, this is, is absolutely sit in the chair, you're outside, have some nature. Describe or this look chair thing again. Out of the window of a moving train. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Yeah. Um, what do you say about this song? Uh, I love, I love the part about um, where he says the line in. Is this the one where he says the line in French? And uh, yeah, it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where is it? Je suis né pour le chalet, <laughs> chaleur. <sighs> she said, "Yeah," in her Manhattan French, which is. I don't know if you know this, but Manhattan French is much better than the French that I use. (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful French. (laughs) Thank you. Really nice. Mm -hmm. I'll put down this baguette now. um, (laughs) Yeah, I I just think that this is... ah, I'm just saying the same things over and over again. It's like, this is wonderful. This is really good... Well, well good it's, stuff. It's a mood record. That you know that color, the, the the blend of orange on the on the cover. Yeah, it, like there's a, a tone, a, a warmth, and the, it's different than a hip album, and it's different than his writing in the past, where there are so many themes and ideas, and you know, like something like Pigeon Camera that has like f- literally five metaphors in it. Sure, uh, this is more direct songwriting. This is atmospheric songwriting, and it's I mean it's layered with some of the best lines he's put into a song and they're so they're so focused so we might be repeating ourselves a bit but in uh, only in the best kind of way i can assume because it's these songs are about straightforward themes in a way he want it's it's like he wanted to write a country album in the only way he could which is by making a weird art record um and uh, I, uh, boy bruised by butterfly chase is a great example of that as well, like I mean, there's not a lot to dig into, to to to, to try and like understand, like well, what does this mean? What is the metaphor here? It's it's kind of like a, a, a nice soft music. It's more like a lullaby.
It's got a great melody again and a great hook, but it doesn't. It, it isn't digging, you know, into you know three different topics like a lot of his writing does. It's. It's. I think he wanted to write an easy, not an easy in the sense that it's not complicated to do, but a uh, a relaxed melody that. Okay, now with with that in mind, let's let's maybe change up how we do this a bit because we don't need to you know over uh, uh over explain anything here so mystery takes us to another little bit of a soundscape with some more uh poetry over top it's great it's another little shift towards our end it takes us to the end of the album I feel like elaborate is the is the most like I'm gonna write a country song. It's focused on a word. It lands on the word. I, I, you know, I love how it handles it, and it feels the most like straightforward, like laid back country. And that takes us to "You're Possessed." One second with elaborate though, yes, because, please, I, because I have to say, my first time hearing it was this week. Get the fuck out! What are you talking about? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. Hook me up. What's so, going on, man? and I heard it this week, and. I didn't do a deep dive into this record when it came out. Mm-hmm. I listened to what I listened to. Right. And t- side one is so top yeah. heavy of... Fucking, <laughs> yeah. You know, you almost don't need to get to the end. Like, I'm good. <laughs> and when I heard this song, 
I couldn't help but contextualize it mm-hmm. with what has happened to Gord Downey. And huh. I'm not, you know, I'm not going, I'm not suggesting for even a second here that the song has anything to do with him. But it's hard not to listen to this song and not think about him. You know, when he talks about the bad news came down, triple screening on the ultrasound didn't look so great. He saw you with your guitar and you were low. He didn't elaborate. He just said, call him, you know, because I can't really elaborate. Like, and it's just, I think about that May long weekend Hmm. in um, 2016, I guess it was, when we got the news. And uh, by that point, they had already, you know, done surgery on him and, and, um, Hmm. You know, we got what we got, but nobody could really elaborate. <laughs> it was, yeah. this is what's happening to this man, and he's opted for this type of surgery, which will prolong his life. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I heard this, and this is, like, I found myself sitting in my car, and tears, you know, like tears, because right. like, it was just like, oh, man. But you're right. This is a... Like a country and western style but, song, but like an impression of one because it's still yeah. different. It's still not written commonly like a. It's in three four. Song the song be, is written in three four, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. a lot of country songs are. Yeah. So it's. And uh, I like that it was just like it's centered on a word and a little yeah. like I was. I mean, because listening to it from way back when, it just like it always it was like I you know, he wanted to focus on the word of make the word the song you know which yeah. is like country songs like to do and I, and I like that about it, but Jesus yeah there's quite a quite a thing you can land with here yeah that's what i thought about this but and then i i always liked it i always kind of like i love the role of elaborate into you're possessed because elaborate is kind of like the the children and then you're possessed is like a just a fucking i, I like a, a, another standout on this album Tempo, like hand clapping, fucking. <laughs> uh, I don't know, like not boogie rock, but it's you know, it's sure it's, it's an up fucking boogie country yeah. song, right? Yeah. Um, and it's and it's filled with things that sound like things that people say, but it isn't. But it, you you get the the, the 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 notion there, you know. Um, and I mean the centerpiece, uh, the perfect country line in there is, uh, you know, it was the look in your eyes. You said, "No one's going to hurt me like you did," um, and the way that rolls out, and that kind of feels the song. And you know, um, it was a, the, the the look in those eyes when you said something like, "You're possessed. You're possessed." Yeah, it's really neat. And and 
just if you couldn't hear it in the way Greg said it, it's yeah. the first one is your Y E R, and the yeah. second one is your Y O U R E. And the year is a, uh, you know, as a well, long-time fans will know. I don't know. Maybe people who are listening to this who don't really know her. They're curious about Gordon and Hip and why we all are so into it. But the the year... is a big Gord thing, isn't it? It's a huge Gord <laughs> thing. It comes up in a lot of song titles, <laughs> yeah. a lot of lyrics. And it is a... I don't know. There's something Canadian about it, the year. Yeah, I would you say. Know? I don't yeah. know what it is. Like the, the, the Aboot thing, I don't understand. I never no, have. No, no. But the year, that's like a... I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how it sounds right exactly for it to be specifically Canadian, but it fucking totally is. Wow, okay. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. What about um, moving into every irrelevance? Yes, please. This is again the. This sits with the chancellor. And oh, wow, you have it way up there. Well, it a uh, chancellor is. I, I much prefer chancellor. I love this fucking song. This is great, but this tone wise sits with chancellor. And sure, it's maybe the. Uh, I uh, used the thing before uh, the. Uh, 
flip side of the coin or the same side of two coins to Vancouver divorce, you know, where right. that the mystery and magical tour. Yeah. Tour the of, magical the, of the human tour. condition of uh, just the, 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 I'm in love with your every irrelevance. That's a, uh, no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. That uh, the, the, I, I, I don't even care what the other lyrics are, even though they're wonderful. But that being the notion, I'm in love with your every irrelevance. It's such a romantic and fucking perfect thing to say. And it's, it feels like something I wish I had thought of on my own to say to my wife, you know, like about it. There's so much on this record that's like that, right? Yeah, you know, like the, 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 the things of deep, like real love, the, the, not the, it, not the fancy, flashy, first, you know, absolutely. weak shit. The no, real stuff. I hear you. The Jessica, real stuff, man, when you're dialed in. Jessica and I were friends in 2001. We were friends mm. in 2002. Um, we, weren't, we weren't there yet. Like, we were building this friendship and building yeah. this sort of foundation. But in 2001, I'm listening to this type of music mm. and these types of lyrics, and I'm absolutely thinking the entire time, like... Fuck, I just want to meet somebody that I can say this stuff to, you right. know, that will like um that will get get me and get it and yeah. get with me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> In yeah. that order. Yeah. So um yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I also think this song is really cool because we heard some of the lyrics in Life Between Us, right? When he introduces a head by a century yeah which again is this wonderful relationship song Mm -hmm. he talks about the catharsis my arse is capable of more flush adolescence and essence yeah um i don't think that's in this the adolescence part but the catharsis my arse is an exposure just for closure won't accomplish much um just really Really great stuff. Really Catharsis. Just devastatingly good stuff. My arse is capable of more flush. What the fuck, Gord? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then we wrap up. Um, and I think this is a brilliant title and a brilliant idea. And I seem to recall the first time I saw them live, he said this line toward the end of the concert. You know, insomniacs of the world, good night. Um, mm-hmm. And he seemed, when I saw him say this, he seemed delighted with himself. Yeah. You know, that it was like, yeah. Um, instead of unite, good night, because it's insomniacs of the world. Yeah. And it's really quite neat.
from here. There's no need for breathlessness when we're so far apart. I can see us writhing in a phone booth or laid back in the dewy grass of our youth and gathering our sweetnesses and wishing on the never star. days of electrical smiles, the loving evenings falling down in piles, without imagining a restlessness that could keep us apart. This is another spoken word um, I have written down on my notes. Interesting music on this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's some, probably as far as the spoken word goes on this record, this is uh, my favorite soundscape yes. that he's doing. 100%. That he's performing for. Yeah. Or that he's doing his yeah. spoken word for. Yeah. 
I don't uh, know. I don't know that I can articulate necessarily why it's my favorite. It's just very interesting. No, it fits, and it's a great it's end. Lots of layers, and you just get you. You're sold a. Uh, um, you're sold a atmosphere from the title, and it fits it. And one of the things uh, uh, when in my the sadness and rage of my 20s um, that I dealt with was insomnia. I could not sleep for the life of me. I could not go to bed. Um, so there was, I was just immediately drawn to this and like, and that's how this thing ends. And this is the beauty of this album. And it didn't necessarily lyrically land on where my head was at, where I couldn't sleep at night, but I loved I loved it. I loved looking at the title. I loved when the song would start and it would be this song because it was the end of the album, which meant I probably just started it again. And I listened to this album late at night a lot. And I would be, and I'd just be, I was a very heavy cigarette smoker at the time as well. And just fucking smoking butts in my shitty apartment, listening to this fucking perfect record, being sad, perfectly fucking sad, perfectly unable to sleep with my perfect goddamn cigarettes. And it was just like a great, mess <laughs> my god my my sad empty 20s uh and it was great and this was a, a huge soundtrack to it and yeah i couldn't sleep at night so insomniacs of the world good night i felt like thanks Gord. we're listening <laughs> I, don't know. I, I love that this is again this beautiful beautiful ode to this woman in his life yeah um, some of the lines in this song, you know, talking about um, not imagining, a, man, not imagining a restlessness that could keep us apart. Hmm. And I love this next line that's a play on, you know, the most famous soliloquy of all time in Shakespeare when Hamlet says, to sleep perchance to dream, I, there's the rub. Hmm. He's saying, I don't, like I want to fucking die, but I can't die because if I die, maybe I'll dream and that would suck because I'll be haunted by all the things I'm haunted by while I'm living. Mm -hmm. And in this song, Gord says, if I could sleep, there's a chance I could dream and he can't sleep. So he can't dream of this woman mm -hmm. that he wants to dream of. Yeah. He wants to dream of all these wonderful things like the line of her brassiere. Oh man. And, uh, good Lord. And that's it, isn't it? I mean, this was, this was just like a few years before I met my wife and I was so, uh, just lost, <laughs> you know? And, and I guess that's maybe like why this album was so heavy for me. This is, maybe this is the insomniac dream. I did, this is the dream I got to have of like, you know, that somebody is going to come along and I'll be, you know, happy with and I'll feel good about myself while I'm with and you know someone you want to say these kind of beautiful things to or experience these beautiful things with right yeah. is that too mushy I, oh, I no this I, I mean god we've been pretty mushy this well, pretty this mushy for this I know mm -hmm. but, but the, the mushy album but yeah this is the like uh, how funny that it's called coke machine glow yeah you know and your your first taste of it is that is um star painters is mm -hmm. it star painters yeah right yeah 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 yep. and uh and then it becomes this love letter. Like, yeah. it's ultimately this but love letter. It, but it begins with Vancouver Divorce. Like, yeah. ends in, I mean, starts in disaster. Yeah, yeah. But uh, 
what a what a love letter and yeah. what a great piece to his legacy. Um, I mean, it does seem like we talk about Gordani a great deal. You know, when we think of this quintet, mm-hmm. we talk about him more than the rest. And now we're spending yeah. a whole episode on one of his solo records. Yeah. And uh, he's got just such a great legacy that he's left behind. Yeah. And I don't know what you do with this record as far as a takeaway song. I do not know. This is fucking tough. I have a feeling I know what yours is. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know for me. I don't know. I I have a, a, a strong fight within myself on what to land on. It's either Vancouver Divorce or Chancellor. Uh, I mean, I think it's... I think it has to be Vancouver Divorce because it's such a devastating piece of writing. And the the band is so alive in that. Like the, this different tone is huge and there's these shrill and uh, heartbreaking guitar tones that are going on in the second half of this tune. Yeah. Yeah, it's Vancouver Divorce. I think if when I think about it, uh, like when I take myself out of it, of like oh, my own, because I, when I, I listen to Chancellor and I think about my wife. So, but if I was going to play tunes to express what good songwriting is and, you know, uh, what's important about this man as, a, uh, as an artist, and it's Vancouver Divorce. I, so, I, I don't know if I've ever been crushed so heavily, like by like. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> so As someone who's trying to write songs and like I was like you know trying to you know <laughs> you were banding at this point. yeah I was in a band and like you know like you hear something like this and like I, how do you what put your fucking kidding me are you fucking kidding me I'll just yeah. stop right now yeah. <laughs> this is too uh, yeah Vancouver divorce is my so for me track it's gonna be like I would say when you say Vancouver divorce that makes me want to just go Chancellor yeah. And and make it really neat and tidy and easy. Yes. But I love Trick Rider too much. Yes, buddy. Play. And I Thank think you. that I'm going to choose Trick Rider because yes, there's should. something about it that reminds me of my children. Oh. And yeah. that's so... The love that I have for them is... I can't, I, it's indescribable. Mm-hmm. And it's like the love that is tattooed all over this record. It is indescribable. And yet, Gord does a wonderful job of describing it and making it palpable mm-hmm. and making me feel. Mm-hmm. And I can't thank him enough, you know, for making me feel the way I felt listening to this record. And uh, God, just unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. Well, this is a rich, rich, rich period for the Tragic Hip. I mean, 98, we had Fan of Power. Yeah. 2000, we had music at work. Yeah. 2001, we've got this. And then next episode, we'll be talking about Inviolate Light, yes, which is 2002. Yes. Um, so this is a just a nice, beautiful period for the Tragically Hip mm-hmm. and Gord Downey. Mm-hmm. I'm and, very much um, looking forward to uh, next episode. Yeah, me too. Until mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. pick up your shit. Yeah, pick up your shit. Fully and Completely is a modern superior podcast. You can find out more information about the show at www.fullyandcompletely.ca. You can tweet us at at, at. Fully Podcast. Mm. 
And, of course, you can find uh, more information about our show and many other fantastic shows at www.modernsuperior.com. <laughs> I came in there for that. That's awesome. <laughs> This episode has been brought to you by the Modern Superior Podcast Network. 